Good afternoon, my friends. Thank you for joining us for one more session of Kardec After Lunch, hosted by Kardec Radio. If you allow me, let me read some announcements. Please feel free to download the app, Kardec Radio, and listen to our programs and podcasts. Feel free also to send questions to Kardec Radio Twitter account. And remember that all of this work is done by volunteers, but there are costs associated with web and app hosting, along with broadcast and publishing. So if you're able to, please be kind and donate so this work of love may continue for many years to come. Um, and if you have following us, you understand that this Kardec After Lunch is one of the initiatives of Spiritism Study, as is on our little shortcut there. And you can find out more about our other initiatives at either the website or the Facebook page. But we read 15 minutes of one of Kardec's works uh, every day of the week. And on Kardec Radio, we do the Medium's book. Um, and remember, this is not intended to replace your, uh, your role, perhaps, at a local spiritist society, a study group, or something of the sort. It's just meant to incite you to take up a more active role in your spiritism education. Um, and if you would like to actual, you know, uh, actual study session, uh, a more active instead of a passive one like this, you feel free to go to our website or webpage and schedule, book a free, always free session with one of our volunteers who donate their time and knowledge to explain, clarify, or assist others in their establishing of a program for their spiritist education. I'll be mindful, it doesn't have to be a program. It could be just one single session, or it could be uh, a sequence of it. It all depends about you and your volunteer if you uh, would like to make this uh, with some frequency uh, and you're welcome to do it. So we're just trying to enable those who have the knowledge and would like to make their time available and those who would like to know more about Spiritism to get together and benefit from this shared experience. So if you happen to, to have this edition of the book, I suggest you follow or reading alone. You can open up on page 93. If you don't have the book with you, you can go to kardakpedia.com, change the site to English by clicking on the, the flag up on top, and go to Medium's book and look for the specific chapter we're going. So chapter one, the action of spirits upon matter we are starting on paragraph number 58, uh, and it goes like this. The inmost nature of the spirit per se, that is, of the thinking being, is entirely unknown to us. It only reveals itself through its actions, and these actions can only impress our senses by means of an intermediate type of matter. Consequently, the spirit needs matter in order to act upon matter. Its direct instrument for doing so is the perispirit, 
just as an individual's is the body. And as we have just seen, the perispirit itself is indeed comprised of matter. So uh, it has been noted before, of course, that perhaps it's not matter that we as incarnates can discern, but it is matter, sorry, matter nonetheless, as the spirits have constantly repeated. As its intermediary agent, it has the universal fluid, which is a kind of vehicle upon which it acts, as we ourselves act upon the air in order to produce certain effects through dilation, compression, or vibration. Regarded in this way, the fact that the spirit can act upon matter is easy to accept. And we say this because uh, uh, perhaps a couple of paragraphs ago, someone mentioned, well, if the spirits, or popular term, ghosts, are immaterial, they can pass through things, you know, how can they uh, touch or carry or pick something up? They wouldn't be able to, right? Now, so what he's explaining is they are, they are immaterial. It, that term is relative because they are made of something. Now, their perispirit is flexible in its fluidity and density. And according to their development and their will, they're able to change the density in order to uh, have an effect on matter. Now, make a very poor analogy, but uh, Ghost, the movie, had a sequence where Patrick Swayze, as a discarnate, is in the subway and is impressed by another spirit that he sees who is able to touch and have influence upon matter, pick up or uh, other things. And he finally convinced that spirit to teach him how that can be done. Um, and if you look that up on YouTube, you'll probably be able to, uh, to watch this full scene. You can probably Google uh, Ghost Movie, uh, Patrick Sway's Subway, and you'll probably find it. But let's continue. Regarding in this way, the fact that the spirit can act upon matter, it's easy to accept. One may thereby understand that all effects resulting from such action belong to the order of natural events and have nothing miraculous about them. They only appear supernatural because the cause behind them is unknown. However, once the cause is known, they cease to be miraculous, for their cause can be found entirely in the semi-material properties of the perispirit. This is all to be treated as a new order of things, which a new law has come to explain, and at which, before long, no one will be amazed, just as no one nowadays is astonished by long-distance communication, which takes only a few minutes by using electricity. <laughs> this was written in the middle of the 19th century, and before the establishment, the establishing of long-distance communication, the capability of wireless communication, uh, or wire or wireless, um, there was no possible way to have that speed 
of communication from one place to another. Imagine today, so everything is done by cell phone or via satellite, and we have the internet. Uh, it's that, that type of development, it was mind-boggling to many people. And it was not something like that's perhaps easy to accept. That was viewed as pure magic uh, by some, you know, cultures. Continue on to 59. One may perhaps ask how a spirit with the aid of such subtle matter is able to act upon heavy and compact objects, to lift tables, etc. It is important to remind you that the, one of the most popular phenomena of mediumship at the time, the middle of the 19th century in Europe, was what is commonly called the dancing tables. And what could be said that took place was tables will levitate, they would make noises without actually uh, moving, uh, gyrate, rotate in the air, many other things. And specifically, have intelligent questions, sorry, intelligent answers uh, devised in response to intelligent questions who were answered. In the beginning, it was very simple. You know, everything was perhaps yes, no. It was a matter of curiosity. But as Kardec got involved in it and saw that the, there was intelligence outside of matter, he start making more uh, developed you know, questions, more uh, philosophical and questions that are far-reaching in its importance. So uh, I believe that we have to take a share uh, in this burden and constantly being the lookout of those things that we take as superficial, but because we do not give the, I guess, the importance, the time and the effort it merits so we can scratch the surface and really little by little go deeper and deeper in its uh, influence and effects on other uh, sectors of our humanity or society. Uh, continue. It would certainly not take a scientist to raise such an objection because without even considering the unknown properties that this new agent must possess, haven't we seen similar examples with our own eyes? Has an industry discovered the most powerful motive forces in the most rarefied gases and the most imponderable fluids? When we see air topple buildings, steam pull enormous objects, gasify blasting powder, blow stones into the air, and electricity split trees and perforate walls, is there anything so strange in accepting the fact that this spirit, by employing its spirit spirit, can lift a table, especially when it is understood that this spirit spirit can make itself visible, tangible, and behave like a solid object. So, as we see by this explanation, uh, and of course, sometimes you do have to make a little bit of a mental exercise. You try to picture 
not just the phenomena that we just explained, but customs, the beliefs, and overall, um, I guess, functioning of European society at the time. With all those changes, social, economical, political, uh, scientific, that were happening at that time. Um, and of course, the effects of a discovery of the establishment of the Spiritist doctrine and the moral effects they had. Uh, of course, that is subject to the will or the permission of the the person who is subject to the influence to some extent. Continue on to chapter two, we're talking about physical manifestations and turning tables. What's another name for that dancing tables? Paragraph number 60. Physical manifestations are those that result in effects that are perceptible to the senses, such as noises and the movement and displacement of solid objects. Some are spontaneous, for example, independent of any human will, while others can be artificially induced. To start with, we will only consider the latter. The simplest effect, one of the first to be observed, is the circular movement imparted to a table. So a table which rotate. This effect may be produced by using any other object as well, but since a table is the one that is mo they use most often because it is the most convenient, the name table turning has been prevalent designation for this type of phenomena. Why was it convenient? It was convenient because people could easily congregate around it and use it as a working surface. When we stated that this effect was one of the first to be observed, we were referring to modern times. And when we say modern times, Remember, this was written in the late 1800s. Because all kinds of such manifestations have certainly been known about since antiquity. It could not have been otherwise. Since there were effects of nature, they would have had to have been produced in all ages. Tertullian made clear reference to turning and talking tables. And there's a footnote about Tertullian, which I'm not going to read, but I suggest you do. Because, like I mentioned in other videos, this act of looking up additional information, it's very uh, strong in the retention of the subject. So, I suggest when you're reading Kardec, have a dictionary nearby or a computer open and do look up what that you're not familiar with. Um, or perhaps they're used in a way that you're not familiar with. And please look up historical figures of characters or mythology or whatnot. Uh, even if you, uh, if you like to, try to appraise yourself of the nature of European French society around the middle of the 1800s, and you get a, perhaps a better idea of what's being discussed in the book. Uh, so thank you for your support. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Kardec Radio, for all uh, that you do. And until next time, Godspeed to all.